Broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout, it's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Stolen Droids Podcast. I'm Zoner. I'm Zoop. How's it going, Zoner? It's good. It's been a while. It has been a while. It's only been two weeks, but it feels like it's been longer. Yeah, you've been adventuring, I've been adventuring, and getting stuck at airports, and yeah, I, I had to laugh as you guys were recording two episodes ago, and mentioned that I was probably angry because I was stuck at the airport. And yeah, I was really angry, stuck at the airport. Ended up not being able to get my rental car. I got into my destination so late because of the delays. And Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, uh, it sucked. That's enough to really piss off most travelers. Yeah, that's not fun. Well, see, that was, the, that was my third flight in eight days. And all of them, each of those flights have been delayed by at least three hours. So I was I was maybe, not feeling real happy. Maybe it's you. You know, we've said kill the president so often on this show. Maybe we're not on the no fly list. Maybe we're on the piss them off while they fly list. Like, that, see, well, and I'm not flying United. Otherwise, I would think that's probably the case. But, right, right. But no, it's just, I mean, playing with no brakes and then weather related issues. Mm. So I am flying tomorrow and it's supposed to snow. So I'm not looking forward to it. Well, let's get this done with then for you so you can get some sleep. Hey, shout out to our friends over at trekradio.net, kryptonradio.com, stitcher.com, Radio KSCR, and Geek Factor Radio. And all of our lovely, beautiful people over at Patreon. Uh, if you want to uh, support us, you can go to patreon.com slash stolen droids. Um, we're putting up videos from CES. We're putting out more articles than ever. You get a front row seat to all of them, early podcast episodes, extras, bonuses, uh, producer credit. Um, and just generally, you know that if you were to die tomorrow, God would love you a little bit more for supporting us. <laughs> wow, that was a stretch. But yeah, you do also, I mean, we have we have recorded video on the last few Generic Geek podcast episodes. And that video is exclusive for Patreon subscribers. But the cool thing is you can get it for, I think, as little as a dollar a month. So that's cheaper than a soda, people. Right. Maybe we it's, should be increasing this. Like, inflation's, you know, getting big. I mean, that's cheaper than feeding a starving kid in Africa. Really, it is. <laughs> that should be, like, the new currency, the new baseline. <laughs> How many starving Africans will this feed? Well, my house costs around 100,000 starving Africans. <laughs> that just sounds wrong. Right? Really puts so really puts our privilege in in perspective there, doesn't it? It, it really does. It really does. I'm just it saying. Really does. Oh my goodness! So, uh, good job covering CES. Thank you, thank you. I, um, I enjoyed the videos and watching your guys's adventures. You and Doctor Squishy and Schmitty. Well, what's funny? Uh, the funniest thing about CES this year, and I, I brought up a little bit of it in an article I wrote for the site, what we wish we would have seen at CES. But the last time we were there was four years ago, okay? And the first time I was there was ten, no, 14 years ago. Uh, four years ago, we had no cell reception. As soon as you passed into the convention center, there were so many people that it was just ridiculous. You, you couldn't get anything, okay? Uh, and 14 years ago, who cared? There, there was no reason for it. Uh, and in fact, even once we got back to the hotel 14 years ago, we didn't have Wi-Fi. So it wasn't like we were, and I didn't have any of the stuff that we had to deal with then. I, I was writing for a different site called modern.net, and I had to wait till I got 
back home in Utah before I uploaded pictures or anything. And yet this year, 2018, we were doing live streams from my cell phone onto Facebook. Like that, I think is the biggest indicator. Uh, I mean, we recorded the show on my tablet uh, if you listen to last week's episode where it's Dr. Squishy, Schmitty, and I, we're three microphones, a mixing board, and a tablet. You know, part of me really wants to envision you doing that in your car like you did some of the videos. Just in the in the drive-thru at Jack in the Box at 2 a.m., that just that's how I want those that episode to be. We can do that. I mean, my tablet has more than an hour's worth of battery power. Yeah. Um, the only reason we wouldn't have been able to do it with that equipment is because we were using uh, phantom-powered mics on an XLR that had to be plugged in. Yeah. But there's other mics, and even then, we were in a Tesla. I could have plugged it into that thing's battery bank. Oh, there's plenty of batteries in a Tesla. You would have been good. I mean, it's very possible. By the way, uh, driving along in Las Vegas, three overweight middle-aged guys on our way to Fry's to get some uh, microphone cables because we had forgotten some pulling up to a stoplight and there's two Camaros and a BMW honking at us and revving their engines. Schmitty toasted them. Did he really like destroyed them? Nearly made Dr. Squishy throw up in the back seat. Like <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was quite funny. Um, it was just funny. And I got to say driving uh, along I 15 with him, not touching the wheel was as disconcerting as I expected. Was it? Oh yeah. The self-driving tech is starting to emerge. Yeah, I mean, it was really cool. Um, but he and I had the, the conversation. We were we got into this really weird conversation about different genres of music. And he's like, so what's bluegrass? And I'm like, well, let me show you. And so on my phone, I'm streaming bluegrass music from this ethereal network that's then broadcasting to his self-driving electric car with gullwing doors using a different ethereal network. And I told him, like, I just realized we're in the future now. <laughs> like, Yeah, it, it, the future is now. It's really weird. Um, and what's funny about the future is that it seemed that this entire week, the entire week we were gone while CES was happening, it seems like most of the tech news stopped for anything else. Oh, as usually happens during CES. Right, right. Because I asked you to keep putting together headlines for this week's show, and there wasn't many. There wasn't a lot. But we have a lot of headlines. There's a lot to get through. But, of course, it's two weeks' worth of stuff. This is true. And i got to say, I have not been catching up on a lot of it, so take it away, honor. <laughs> I love how you do that. Like I prepared anything. I know. So well, why don't we start off with Google real quick? But before we do that, did you say gullwing doors on Schmidty's Tesla? Well, it's, they're technically Falcon doors. Yeah, he has the Model X that has the uh, the Falcon doors that lift up, like on on the DeLorean time machine. Yes. Haven't you ever seen a Model X's the doors on that thing? I did not realize that that's how they that that's how they were. Oh yeah, uh, that's not even the most disconcerting thing about it. I sat in the car while he got out and told it to park itself. And so that's, I, that's I was witchcraft. Is I was a passenger is. in a car with no driver as it was driving itself into the parking spot, going, "This is how I die." Like, <laughs> now are the gullwing doors just on the back seat? Yes. Okay. Okay. 
And we did make use of them a few times because we were really close into like uh, pillars or doors or other cars. And I, I have to say, there is a reason for them. It's still awkward. It's still really weird. It's really easy to like just slam your head into them. But there's a reason behind them. We did get to see a Model 3 while we were there. Did you? Yeah. Um, I may be convinced on that car. Completely unlike anything else I've ever sat in. That is cool. Yeah. That is cool. Yeah, I, I like those. Unfortunately, they are not so much my um, within my price range. Oh, you don't have 30000 just sitting around? I, I don't um, because I have to feed children. Um, Sell one of the kids. I could. I could. In fact, you know, I've been thinking. I've got two kidneys. I, uh, I only need one. A, a Tesla 3 is about uh, 30000 uh, starving African kids or one well-fed American kid. You could totally get a Model 3 for one of your kids. Just whichever one's pissing you off that day. <laughs> oh, that would be... I mean, it might be too old. <laughs> I don't think anybody wants that one. So... Okay, well, into our headlines here. We've we've shared our banter and experiences enough. Now, we've talked a lot about Google and Amazon going head-to-head with their little rivalry over the last few weeks. And I think that Google is launching something else. It's going to go head-to-head with Amazon. Uh, There is some code in the new version of the Playbooks app for Android uh, that hints at audiobook functionality. There has also been a banner on the website that has popped up for some individuals uh, indicating the audiobooks are now on Google Play. Now, if you remember, Amazon bought Audible, which is like the biggest audiobook publisher out there. Mm-hmm. And with with Google getting into it, selling them, I wonder if we're going to start to see Turf Wars, kind of like we have with with some of the streaming devices in YouTube. Well, the funny thing about this is, and sorry to cut you off there. Okay. Google has had real problems with their bookstore, like real problems. I think it's just that they were so late to market compared to Amazon. The Kindle was so well established. Heck, the Kindle was on Android before Google books was. Oh yeah. Do you think this could be what saves them? Or do you think they're going to try and, keep this in the Google audio play, their, their music play area? I, you know, that's a good question. It makes sense logically to, to bundle it with the music, to keep it with the music and sell it with the books, the way that it looks like they're going to be doing. However, I can't help but wonder, you know, you listen to, I mean, so many audiobooks out there at the end, this has been an audible production. Oh, we're not going to have that. Cause I honestly don't think that, Google and Amazon are going to play nicely enough to get audible books on Google play devices. Hmm. Hmm. And so I, I think we're going to see a pissing war like we did with YouTube. Probably, probably. And by the way, uh, if you listened to last week's episode, you know exactly why that pissing war happened when Google launched their, their assistant screens across the board. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing is, and this is honestly an area I know nothing about because I don't listen to audiobooks. With and this, I do, almost with, exclusively. With the sole exception of the Tom Stranger book uh, and its upcoming sequel because it's narrated by Alec Baldwin and it's hilarious. Uh, and go the, Korea. Yeah, yeah and, and Go the F to Sleep uh, narrated by Sam Jackson because do I need to explain that? 
And see, I listen to audiobooks almost exclusively because I can listen to them while I'm driving. I listen to them on my commute. My commute's about an hour. And so that's a lot of quality book time. Uh, they put me to sleep. And see, you're you're just not into it, I guess. I don't know. I, I prefer mean, to the, read. The Monster Hunter books, oh my gosh, those are so fabulous. The audio versions. I mean, the, the print versions are great. Don't get me wrong. But the audio versions are just fabulous. I love them. And so I, I really wonder, though, if we're going to see some sort of yeah, some sort of, of turf war going on here between Google and Amazon. Because, I mean, there's all these audible productions out there. Hmm. I don't think those are going to show up on Google. Something just tells me. Or maybe that's the bargaining chip that they're going to use to get YouTube back on Fire devices. Amazon TV devices. Maybe. I don't know. But that's a, regardless, that's an interesting move on Google's part. I'm kind of glad, to be honest. And it makes perfect sense from my point of view that they would get into this because let's face it, Google does everything else. I, it's only a matter of time before they get broken up as a monopoly. Right. Right. But yeah, but it makes, it makes a lot of sense to me. So, um, the next little bit of Amazon news we got is that they have revealed their top 20 city candidates for a second headquarters. And Salt Lake City was making a bid, so I was paying attention to this a little bit. Although Utah was really throwing a lot of tax incentives at Amazon, and people were not happy with that. They were saying, you know, we don't need to give them tax breaks because we're already giving them tax breaks because they're collecting sales tax and keeping it. Right, right. Which is corrupt as hell, don't get me wrong there. But... um it looks like our, our top 20 candidates are Atlanta, Austin, Boston, Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Denver, Indianapolis, L.A., Miami, Montgomery County, Maryland, Nashville, Newark, New Jersey, New York City, Northern Virginia, uh, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Raleigh, North Carolina, Toronto, and Washington, D.C. The thing that, dis- that, I, that I do not understand, really, is why cities are so eager for this. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't either. I'm a huge tech guy, obviously. I've been doing this for almost seven years. And Utah is surprisingly tech savvy. I mean, we have the Silicon Slopes that I work in. Um, there's a reason we call them that. That's not just some kind of cute marketing ploy. We have more telecom providers in that area than you might expect. Most major firms have data centers or production facilities there. Um, I mean, the NSA built a facility here. I know. That's how big we are. But the thing is, is that this actually does not help the city that lands it. It doesn't. Uh, it's been proven time and time again when Google's building a facility or when Apple's building a facility. Whenever any of this happens, people vie for it like crazy, and it never works out. Not for the city. No, it works out for the for, for the, the company because they get a ton of tax incentives. Right. What they should be saying is, is hey, look, um, we're a, a highly motivated bilingual workforce. Uh, cost of living here is less than it is in most other areas of the country, so you wouldn't have to pay you the workforce as much for them to have just the same quality of life as if you paid another employee more elsewhere. We have more telecom providers with fiber in the ground at any point in the city that you want to build. Um you know, if there's any other, and it sounds like I'm really tooting our horn here, but this is the truth. This is from a business standpoint. This is the truth. 
you already pay less taxes here because of our tax structure. We're a balanced budget state, which means we're never trying to pull from one budget for to pay another one. It just it doesn't make sense as to why they need feel the need to sell the city out just to get Amazon here. Yeah, well, and the Amazon does say that this will um, include a five billion dollar investment from Amazon with the potential to support as many as 50,000 quote-unquote high-paying jobs. I mean, 50,000 jobs is a lot. I can see why lawmakers would want to get that. Oh, look what we're doing to bring jobs. Sure. And high-tech jobs are good. But is, I mean, they're going to need custodians. They're going to need, you know, a lot of people that aren't quote-unquote high-tech. So, uh, yeah, they're going to bring jobs to the area. But I find it interesting, too, because if you look at the map of where these cities are, almost every single one of them, with the exception of three or four, are back east. Right. Of course, from Utah, everything is back east except L.A. But, I mean, they're all back east, which, I mean, Amazon's headquarters is where? Uh, Seattle? Mm -hmm. Is that right? Uh, And so I kind of understand the logic to try and get a second headquarters on the opposite side of the country. That to me makes sense. But the way that they've been stringing some of these cities along and the way that some cities have tried to sell out and and everything, I don't think that's right. And honestly, I really don't care where Amazon ends up, but this is apparently a huge news story in the tech world. So we felt obligated to cover it, but I don't understand why everyone's getting their panties in a twist over it. They're just so freaking happy about it. Aren't they? They they really are. They really are. Okay, so we talked a little bit about Google um, a second ago, and we used the Amazon stuff to segue into that. Let's segue back to Google. I don't think I did a good job of pre-production here on the show. No. Uh, no. <laughs> but Google Cast has been destroying Wi-Fi networks. Now you've got you've got a Google Home. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed any issues with your Wi-Fi performance? Yes. Um, so, however, we just kind of assumed that it was actually from uh, – uh, I kind of screwed up my Wi-Fi right before I left for CES. Okay. Um, I, I accidentally deleted my uh, my Unify controller. And if anyone knows what that means, they know what that does to a network. So everything's still been working, but there have been Wi-Fi issues. I've just been chalking it up to that. Okay. But well, now uh, reading this, maybe I've been wrong. Yeah, I, I think you might be. Um, or at least partly wrong anyways. But for those who aren't aware, and this is news that came out um, earlier this week or earlier last week, depending on when you when you hear this. Uh, it And actually, it started happening during the week of CES, but people that have Google devices in their home, uh, Chromecasts, Google Home, things like that, their network was just suffering. They kept having... having um, Network drops, network slowness, um, just all sorts of problems with their with their network. And it turns out that it wasn't the Wi-Fi. It wasn't that they were streaming Netflix too much or whatever. It was the Google devices in the home. And I, I don't understand all of the technical details on this, but basically uh, they're uh, – doing a distributed denial of service attack on itself through your home Wi-Fi. 
And so, I mean, it's it's just killing your home Wi-Fi, spamming it and uh, with so much traffic that your Wi-Fi just chokes and dies. Now, Google has started pushing out a fix for that within the last few days. So hopefully the issue is better by now. Uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of bad. That's That's a really bad bug. And the fact that it was happening for almost two weeks before the update came out, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of unacceptable. I've been on the fence about getting a Google Home. And this right here scares me enough that I have not pulled the trigger yet. Well, and now, not even that, but as we saw in CES, Google has all those new Assistant devices. I just talked about them. You know, they're really making a push to get Assistant everywhere. Yeah, and from what I understand, they kind of are winning the Assistant war after the CES. Right, right. Most definitely. That's not a that's not a great position to be in to have this kind of bug happen right as you're trying to push that. No, no, that's really not because I mean you want people to get your devices that have the assistant on them, mm-hmm. and if those devices are known poison to your network, why would you do that? Oh, but you get Google Assistant, but does it matter if you can't connect to the internet? Right. Google Assistant without Wi-Fi is pretty useless. Uh, this is some news that I thought was interesting, and my first thought is too little too late. Uh, Google Pay uh. is combining Android Pay and Google Wallet. So basically, Google is undoing the split that they did, what, three years ago, four years the ago? The split they like never that. should have done. The, the split that they never should have done. You're exactly right. The, the split that made absolutely no sense, that essentially broke the entire system, that set them back on the entire mobile wallet frontier. I mean, they ha- it was theirs to lose. It was their oyster. And then they did that right as Apple Pay came about. And they lost it all. Suddenly, Samsung Pay is just destroying them on the Android front. And Apple Pay is destroying them on the iPhone front. And they're just sitting there. Oh, sorry, you know the wallet app that we used to have? Yeah, we destroyed that. You know the funds you used to have in your wallet? Yeah, sorry, that got transferred off to another app. That's not going to work for a few months. Uh, You know your Google Wallet card, the physical card we gave you? It's disabled now. Oh, and by the way, this still won't work on your rooted phone or your I – mean, it was just – sorry, this they, pisses me off. because Oh, like, they, they effed it up so hard. It's like it, so it took hard. you how long to realize this? Yeah, well, what is this, three, four years now? Yeah. I, I mean, mean it's, it's insane. You and I were both big proponents of Google Wallet. Mm-hmm. We loved it. And – then they killed it by doing the split. It, it was totally unnecessary, but someone at Google had the bright idea, and they deemed it necessary, so they, they they made the change. And it drove you and I both away from them into Samsung's open arms, which, by the way, at the time, was far superior. And I'm going to say, even now, I'm I'm assuming it's far superior to what Google is going to put out. Oh, totally. The... The magnetic strip emulator right there is worth its weight in gold for a product like this because you don't need to rely on terminals that have NFC capability. If you can swipe your card, you can use your phone. And I think Google is now so far behind the game that 
it it's it truly is i think too little too late unless they can really pull one out of their butts and do something fantastic with it but honestly i don't see myself leaving samsung pay at this point i i just don't yep now while we're talking mobile let's talk apple there's been a lot of talk about apple's battery throttling and apple's i mean apple has not had a good go as of late and Tim Cook has come out and said that in the future, users will be able to turn off the battery performance throttling that they've been baking in and nobody knew about until a few weeks ago. And they're expecting that that will come out sometime in early 2018. Uh, let's see. they uh, Apple described the update uh saying that they will issue an iOS software update with new features that give users more visibility into the health of their iPhone's battery so they can see for themselves if its condition is affecting performance. Android's had that for years. I can look and I can see how my battery is, what's using it, all that stuff. So I don't know if there's really anything revolutionary there. However, the fact that they are going to let people decide whether or not they want their performance to be throttled to save on battery performance. I think they should have been doing that all along. I totally agree. And the fact of the matter is, is that people may want it throttled. They might. It it may come to the point where they're looking at it and they're going, well, yeah, my phone isn't lasting nearly as long or this app crashes all the time or yeah, everything runs a lot faster, but man, is this thing unstable. That doesn't say great things for Apple, but it may come to the point where they're like, I prefer it that way. I prefer it just working and me not having to think about it. Yeah. And, and you know what? That's fine. If that's what they want, if that's how they want to roll. I know Android users who do that. Yeah. I mean, and I, I have the option right now. You. I can put my phone into max battery save or max performance. And yeah. max performance is great in theory. I don't care for it. I can't do anything on my phone when it's set to that. But... It's there if I ever need it. Really? Can't do anything? It's pretty It's pretty limited. Hmm. I, I don't like how my phone performs. I, I could probably do some stuff, but, you know, I, I've noticed it. It kills my icons and all sorts of stuff on my... I, I just don't like it. Yeah, I, I don't do it either just because it overheats. My battery dies way faster than I think is worth it. Oh, on the max. Sorry, I was thinking like turning it all the way down. Oh yeah, no, no, I, go in the opposite direction. I do that when I have like two percent left, and uh-huh. I have I'm nowhere near a charger. I put it into max battery save, and it'll last me like you know five hours. Yeah, doing because nothing's running. Right, but max performance I can't do either. It overheats just sitting in my pocket. Oh yeah. So yeah, that's that's true. Sorry, yeah, I I was thinking other way. So speaking of overheating in the pocket. This is a funny story. Apple wants to be Samsung, I think. They are so freaking jelly of Samsung. They are. We've got an Apple store that had to be closed because an iPhone battery started to smoke in the Swiss city of Zurich. That right there is absolutely hilarious to me. Uh, They say that uh, 50 customers and staff were forced to leave the building after an overheated battery started spewing smoke. Uh, And a store worker who was trying to remove the battery from an iPhone suffered minor burns. Uh, Seven people received medical attention, but none of them had to be hospitalized. 
that right there is not a, a good idea. And of course, Apple has not responded to multiple requests for comment on the issue. Yeah. Um, the thing is, is that this is not the first time for Apple. You, you remember the Newton? Vaguely. Yeah. Everyone remembers it vaguely. It had a, a tendency to do this. That's awesome. Uh, honestly, if I'm being perfectly honest, and I mean this sincerely, the fact that the iPhone has been around so long and sold so many units and hasn't had this issue before is actually quite impressive. It is. I mean, just sheer statistically speaking, this should have They've happened They've sold before. a lot of phones. Odds are one of them will have exploded because of a battery. Yeah. I, I mean, bat- batteries are a lot more volatile than people give them credit for. Uh, it's just kind of funny that it's taken this long, honestly. Maybe this is what the throttling was meant to prevent. Uh, and I was just going to say, you know, if you're throttling your battery's performance or your your phone's performance because of your battery. Just below the exploding line. like <laughs> Yes. Maybe that's what Samsung should have done with the Note. And, in fact, they did do that eventually with, with forced updates and whatnot to try and prevent people from blowing themselves up. Yep, yep. But, yeah, I thought that was kind of funny when, when Colin pointed this article out to us. Um yeah, I, I couldn't help but laugh. We got a lot of, of Apple news this week. Some of it really stupid. Yeah, I mean, they've they've announced plans to um, reparate billions in overseas cash, and it'll contribute $350 billion to the U.S. economy over the next five years. Now, what does that mean? Because that word, repa- repatriate, repatriate, what? Repatriate. Yeah. Repatriate. Basically, however you pronounce it, uh, they got into some real hot water by keeping all their money overseas. Therefore, it was exempt from U.S. tax. Um, they got in some big trouble. You know that huge war chest they're always sitting on, all that money they have? They don't keep yeah. it in U.S. accounts or in U.S. assets for exactly this reason. So they don't have to pay U.S. taxes on it because we charge them. So if they can instead keep it in another country where they don't have to pay as much in taxes or anything in taxes because they've worked out a deal with them, they'll do that instead. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, State Department hasn't really played nicely with that. They don't much care for that kind of uh, business tactic. So this sounds like a really generous thing that Apple's doing. Hey, they're giving back to the community. But really, it's like it's either that or jail time. Now, that being said, I'm not sure this is a jailable offense, what yeah, they were I, doing. I don't, I don't know that that's accurate, but... But it, it looks that way to a lot of... Not everyone's a tax accountant. You know, not everyone knows tax law. Yeah. But they, I mean, it is cool that they're bringing money back because the money back will be jobs and things like that. Uh, and tax incentives because they said they're going to build a new campus. So we'll get to find out where their new campus is. And we can go through the dog and pony show in every major city across the U.S. as they try and vie for that and offer all sorts of tax incentives that will sell their people down the river. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like we just talked about with Amazon. Yeah. Interesting. that. Um, but, but yeah, so Apple is bringing money back to the U.S., um, now, the jobs, uh, before we move on here real fast, the jobs they have said will mostly be tech support. And honestly, I think that's excellent. Um, I do, too, because nobody likes calling India. Uh, I mean, nothing against uh, Indian people or the Indian economy. 
I think it's great that they were able to jump on the call center wagon so well, and it did such things for their economy. And I can't really begrudge companies for outsourcing that job to a cheaper workforce. It was cheap. Yeah. It's cheap. But I can't stand calling Microsoft because if I'm calling Microsoft, you know, you know me, listener, you know it's because I've hit a wall that I can't climb anymore. I need them to do it. I don't need to speak with, you know, Bob, who's obviously not Bob, who is His real, who, real name's Rajesh. Yeah, who is reading from a horrible script. I can barely understand him as he's trying to get me to power cycle something like I'm some kind of plebeian. Yeah, that is the most frustrating thing. As a tech support person, I mean, you and I have both done tech support for years. We've obviously advanced beyond that, but we still have to support our users in mm-hmm. some capacity. And there's nothing worse than somebody who has been through the trenches like we have, who has done their time and knows a thing or two about what they're doing, to all of a sudden have to call somebody and you're immediately treated like you're an idiot. You call them up, you say, I've done this, 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 and this. And they say, okay, well, let's do the first thing on your list again that you just said you did. Right. And that's not an Indian thing. That's not an outsourced call center thing. That's just a tech support thing. But it is tough when they don't understand English well enough to know what it is you're saying that you've already done. Yes. Yeah. So this is a good move by moving those jobs here. And in an also heartless kind of way... It's good for the company by not moving the manufacturing jobs here because then no one would be able to afford the products. Instead, you'll just still have slave labor high schoolers making at Foxconn. At at Foxconn. I mean, but one battle at a time, you know. Yeah. I mean, I saw something earlier today that Apple is reportedly going to be end of life in the iPhone 10 next year, next summer, which is not their typical move. Because uh, they usually offer it as the alternative, the cheaper alternative to the new iPhone when it's announced. I, but could you imagine? I mean, that's a $1,000 phone. If it was made here in the U.S. where you're paying workers 20 bucks an hour instead of 20 cents an hour, how expensive that phone would be. I, uh, okay, uh, this is an audio show. You can't see me. But when you mentioned that it would be end of life, my eyes just – I looked Caucasian there for a moment. Yeah, you didn't look Asian there. Yeah. You, they, they were no longer Asian eyes. They were white people eyes. I, 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 let's, let's turn the racist up a bit here. You know what's really <laughs> funny? At CES, I saw a ton of iPhone Xs. Tons of them everywhere. All in the hands of Asians. Oh, really? Really. Yeah. Very surprising. That is, that is interesting. Yeah. That is interesting. But yeah, um, I just found uh, an article here on Apple Insider, and they say that uh, um, if iPhone X demand is less than expected, they expect that it will be end of life when the replacements start shipping. So if if that demand doesn't continue on, they're just going to kill it. And a $1,000 phone? I don't know that I necessarily blame them, because that is... That is a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people. That is a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people. Now, uh, talking about about phones and and smartphones and and people using them, 
Apple's shareholders have come out, okay. and they we we need to read both of these headlines together before either of us react. Because my first urge is to just go all apocalyptic on the first headline. So I'm going to just shut up until you read both. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So Apple's shareholders have urged the company to address iPhone addiction in children. Uh, iPhone addiction, a smartphone addiction, device addiction is something that I don't think is exclusive to children, but having a whole handful of children myself, I have seen it firsthand. It is a thing. And the shareholders think that Apple needs to do something to address that. Um, I don't know why that's their responsibility. I don't know why that's their problem. They're making a device. Let parents parent and and do that. And in response to this, I can't find the headline. I lost it. Crap. Okay, here it is, I think. I think, okay. Um, Apple uh, CEO Tim Cook blames social media and technology overuse after iPhone addiction criticisms. So he's saying it's not the iPhone. At least this is how I take it. It's not the iPhone's fault. It's all the program's fault. It's social media. It's all these other things. And it's not it's not the phone's fault okay so now i'm going to uh okay uh, and while i'm doing that you should look at the link i just sent you because you may have a new favorite um this is asinine okay we've there's always been a group of people who want to blame the device for people's use of it and they're not wrong in that the uptick of device addiction has happened with the iphone but it's not necessarily the iphone's fault um the iPhone lowered the level of entry to this tech world and social media made the tech world alluring. Look, people before Facebook, before Twitter, before social media or whatnot, I was doing just the same amount of stuff on my modern.net site that I mentioned earlier. I was trolling forums, news groups. Uh, the internet was a completely different place back then. And I was on it just as much. You could say I, mean, I was addicted to it and you'd probably be right. You think about even AOL's message boards and stuff, AOL's chat rooms. I mean, these things have always been there as long as the internet has been. there. The thing is, is that before we all had a reliable, easy to navigate machine in our pocket, that they were only really addicted to by people who had that level of entry, that access to them. What the yes. iPhone did was it just lowered that level of entry. It made it easier and much more navigable. Yeah, I don't think I said that right. To everyone else. It's not the iPhone. It's like saying, hey, look, we really need to talk to uh, you, Henry Ford, about the uh, the way you're killing people with your cars. You know, since you came out with the Model A, people are just dying left and right uh, from from car accidents and we think it's your car you need to stop making cars it's not his cars it's just the fact that suddenly everyone can afford the car and so there's tons of them now yeah like he's not the one you need to talk to shareholders well and there's been video circulating of some higher ups at facebook uh, over the last few weeks basically saying we knew exactly what we were doing we were getting people addicted to our network so that they would stay on our network and then we could milk them for whatever information we needed to milk them for. And they used different things to manipulate the users 
so that the users would develop an addiction to to the social network. Right. And I mean, they they've admitted we are toying with you people. We are messing with your emotions. We are doing what it takes to make you our slaves, essentially. And yet people are blaming the phone. And I don't think it's any of Apple's business or responsibility to 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 do anything about that. I mean, what what really are they going to do? Block Facebook? They're not going to block Facebook. I mean, block it at the phone level. Could you imagine the outcry that that would that, that would result in? And it really what it comes down to is parents need to parent, adults need to adult, and if you've got an addiction to anything, you need to realize that and stop it. Because well, okay. being addicted isn't a good thing. It's obviously not a good thing. The problem is, is that it's not always identifiable to the person who is addicted. Okay? True. Uh, it's like a lot of other mental illnesses or, or mental afflictions. It's not always obvious to the person who is afflicted. And they're also even more resistant when people around them say, hey, guess what? Hey, Zana, you know what? You're addicted. You really need to get off the computer. Screw you, man. You know, it's it's... It's that pushback. But instead of there being some kind of cultural awareness about it, we have all signed up for companies that exploit it. Yes. And we know they exploit it, and we're okay with it. we welcome it. Yeah. We welcome it. You know, my 12-year-old daughter, she had a smartphone. I say had because if you remember over the last few weeks, if you've listened to our shows, I got rid of it. I sold it, and I got her a Nokia 3310. And one of the last straws that broke that camel's back was she was at school and one of her friends got after her saying, you are always on your phone. She said, well, I'm looking at a text and she said, no, you're not. You're always watching cooking videos on Facebook. And my wife and I, when we heard that both just laughed because we knew it was true because that's what she always did. She was always on Facebook. And so we, we removed it. We decided to be parents. This is becoming a problem. We are going to make it so it's not a problem. And that's what people have to do. It's not Apple's job. I couldn't go to Samsung and say, look, my little girl's addicted to Facebook. It's your fault. Right, right. What are you going to do to help my little girl? She's addicted yeah. to Facebook. And they're sitting there going, uh, we don't know who your daughter is. We are not, We don't make Facebook. Um, who are you? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And so I think, you know, technology is permeating every aspect of our lives. My wife and I were at the furniture store today uh, picking up a water filter from my fridge. And my wife saw a Samsung fridge that had a built-in touchscreen and calendars. And she could stream Pandora from it. I was I was paying for my purchase. And all of a sudden, I hear Bon Jovi. And I look up, and she's streaming Bon Jovi from Pandora through this refrigerator. And yeah, that's really cool. Technology is everywhere. And how we use it dictates what we are with it. It doesn't, I mean, if we're addicted to it, that's on us. Mm-hmm. 
there is some responsibility when Facebook comes out and says, yeah, we're purposefully doing this. It's like the tobacco companies. Yeah, we know it's addictive, but we're hiding that information from you. Well, and then it's up to us as a society to call them out on it and not just say, go, oh, okay. Well, at at least you're admitting to it. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of scary. It's Mm kind of scary. But I don't think that it's Apple's job to monitor what we do with our devices. Not just at like all. I don't think it's really anyone's job. Monitor yourself. If you're a parent, monitor your kids. That's what we do. Uh, um, there is some new undetectable DNS hijacking malware that is targeting Apple users. Um, that security by obscurity that Apple did for so many years just does not just does not hold any water at this point in time. Yeah. Hey, remember when you guys used to sit there and uh, make fun of the rest of us and we tried telling you it's going to happen to you too just as soon as you become more popular? Well, um, guess what? I guess this is the price of success. Because, yeah. So, yeah, it goes in. It basically changes your DNS entries. um, And then you have a really bad day. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you have a really bad day because it injects ads, can steal credentials, um, acts as a man in the middle attack. Uh, yeah, that's not a good thing. So uh, there is a way to check and see if you are infected. Uh, go to the terminal and check your DNS settings. And there are a couple specific IP addresses listed in this article that you can look for. So, yep. um, yeah, Fun and right stuff. now... Only a little more than half of antivirus software is detecting this. So, yeah, you may you may have it even though you think you're protected, uh, which is never a good thing. That's kind of scary. Uh, now, I don't know what this one is. I'm waiting for the page to load. Mechanical <laughs> Turkers. This is one you put in, Zook. I don't know what this oh, is. Oh, right, right. So um, this is kind of a weird one, and it's off on a tangent for us. Um There's an algorithm that's actually used by the Justice Department and by police departments everywhere to determine whether or not someone who's getting released from prison is likely to um, come back. They're about to reenter the system Um, saying, oh, well, this person probably isn't uh, a threat anymore. He'll be fine. He won't come back to prison versus this guy who, oh, my gosh, yeah, uh, we shouldn't really even expect him to, to. He didn't rehabilitate at all he's going to be right back in the system within a week just you wait and they've been going off of this um, algorithm for a while now and you're like well that's kind of interesting what does that matter why would that matter well it matters because parole boards look at this algorithm before determining if someone is eligible for parole this is like minority report right well unfortunately um it has come to light that the algorithm isn't any better at actually determining this than someone just guessing. Oh, really? Yeah. It's that bad. It's that horrible at, um, they, they took a look at everyone that it has, uh, made predictions about and it's as wrong. It's wrong as often as it is right. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Uh, and again, it's like, well, they're prisoners. So what? Well, again, these are people who may actually do very well. 
uh, and are being denied parole because this computer says, well, I don't think he actually means he's sorry. Or it could be people that, yep, you uh, you did everything to the letter. You deserve a chance. Go back out there. Oh, but he's going to turn around and rape someone as soon as he's out because the computer couldn't predict that. That's I am not making a joke there. That'd be a very tasteless joke, but it does kind of highlight the dangers of relying on this algorithm. And it makes me wonder how on earth prisons think they could ever even have this information when. Okay, I just had a really kind of scary thought. You know who probably could predict this? Who? Facebook. Watson? Oh, Facebook. <laughs> Uh, yeah, probably. If we let prisoners on some kind of social media and see how they actually acted on social media and had told Facebook and Google, hey, track these algorithms, see how people, which which pe- people do you think are more likely to reenter society and be healthy with it? I'll be, I'm just saying. That, you know, my first thought, when you start talking algorithms, that... Um yeah, that that right there is Facebook. I think of Facebook when I think of algorithms. Well, the funny thing and is, too, is manipulating people. And when it comes to prisoners, what are your algorithms going off of? You've taken nearly everything away from them. What, like how often they uh, they stood up uh, when eating lunch? How often they checked a book out from the library? Like seriously, short of being really, really, really racist. And by the way, uh, the algorithm was, um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, there was some racial bias in there. I'm just saying, what are you going to go off of? Yeah, that's, that's interesting. But I think, I think you're right. Facebook probably Google would probably have a pretty good idea Yeah, because from all the, all of the posts that people do on, on Google plus, um, no, (laughs) that's funny. No, um, but just people's search histories and things like that. They'd probably have a fairly decent idea. Uh, but I think Facebook would be actually a really good candidate for coming up with some sort of algorithm for that. Of course, they can't keep they can't come up with an algorithm that will stop fake news. And so I don't know that we really want to trust them with that. Um, yeah, but you're they, probably right. They do say they are going to win the battle against fake news by prioritizing stories that are trustworthy, informative, or local. Um, so, yeah, I guess users are going to get to vote. Is that how this is working? They're, they're going to determine which, which stories are true and which, or which sources are true and which ones aren't. I see that as potentially making the problem much, much worse. Because, I mean, we've talked about the idiot Facebook users that we all know that will share anything as gospel truth, even if it's completely full of holes. I mean, it, it could be the biggest lie on the planet, and people will say it's the truth if it looks like it comes from a legitimate source, which everybody looks like a legitimate source nowadays. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, uh, and again, so this, I don't want to go too deeply into this because we're running short on time. We have other headlines. Uh, I like, you remember. I think it was like a month ago, maybe two months ago, when I brought up that the FCC wants to do away with the provision that says that news sources at local channels must have local news teams. Yeah. 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 Um, It's kind of odd that Facebook is trying to fight fake news by prioritizing local sources. I'm just going to throw that out there and and leave it. I I think that's interesting. And, you know, it's 
They Mark Zuckerberg did say, quote, there's too much sensationalism, misinformation and polarization in the world today. Social media enables people to spread information faster than ever before. And if we don't specifically tackle these problems, then we end up amplifying them. That's why it's important that Newsfeed promotes high quality news that helps build a sense of common ground. Now, Facebook has been really good at looking like they're fading, fighting fake news for about a year now. But they haven't really done much with it. So I I will be amazed if this works. I see this potentially amplifying the problem. But I could be wrong, and I guess time will tell. We'll just have to sit back and watch the ride. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about the government. Um, the government has basically told um, AT&T to cut all commercial ties with Huawei. And that means... They're not going to be selling Huawei phones in the U.S., at least through AT&T. Well, they also um, are trying to block China as a telecom provider. Uh, and I say China specifically because uh, uh, they, Huawei is interested in bringing their own cellular network to the U.S. You know, all these apps that come from China that we know sell our data back to the Chinese government or give our data to the Chinese government. There is absolutely nothing to make me believe a hardware manufacturer would be any different. Mm-hmm. And I've beta tested these phones. I've worked with this company and the people I worked with were all great, but I don't have confidence that the Chinese government's not really pulling the strings behind the scenes. That being said, um, and this is reported by Reuters, so I'm going to quote this. One of the commercial ties senators and House members want AT&T to cut is its collaboration with Huawei over standards for the high-speed next-generation 5G network, end quote. Um, that's actually something you should work with other people about. In fact, they should be working with everyone to make sure that the 5G standard is, you know. Standard? Standard, right. Um and this is where things get really kind of bad. Uh, should AT&T, as well as any other U.S. firm, not heed this request, quote, it could hamper their ability to do business with the U.S. government, end quote. Is that extortion or is that blackmail? Uh, I think that's extortion. Yeah. Um, nice nice cellular network you have here. Shame something <laughs> should happen to it. Uh, the government is run more and more like organized crime every day. Isn't that just Aren't kind they? of like the, I, I want I want to know what people's thinking is. You know what? Hey, uh, Jenny, Jenny, uh, write a memo. Make it sound as threatening and opaque as possible. Uh, I want to make sure that everyone really reads the wrong message out of this. Can you do this? OK, great start. It's like, what the heck? You couldn't word it any better than that. No. Yeah, that's that's kind of crazy. Now, from a consumer standpoint, this does suck because it's one less phone for you to choose from, one less manufacturer from you for you to choose from. And Huawei, they don't make crap phones. They do sell some budget stuff, but they have some nicer phones as well out there. Yeah, but this is just such BS. And here's why. Here's why. Have you noticed that the US government hasn't called on HP? To, to stop making computers, even though they admitted openly to having software that tracked everything you typed? Yeah. Have uh, have you heard any U.S. senators making a big uh, fit over the fact that it turns out Google was tracking everything you were doing, even when you turned location tracking off? 
Have you heard anything from senators about any of these other U.S. companies that have been tracking and selling all of your information? But the instant we have a Russian antivirus or a Chinese phone company that maybe our government doesn't like, suddenly we're all supposed to cut ties with them. Yeah. It seems a little bit of a double standard. It's fairly evident the U.S. government doesn't care about us. Oh, when have they? Uh, You're sitting there going, duh, Zook, I've been telling you this for years. Don't get me started. I know. (laughs) I don't want to go off on a rant here. Um, But no, you're exactly right. The government doesn't care about us. The government is looking out for its own interests. Which is really kind of sad because their own interests should be the people that they govern. But that's another conversation for another time. With that, should we move on to our favorites? Let's do. Okay. My favorite comes from uh, The Nerdist. Uh, specifically a show called Because Science with Kyle Hill. He is a doctor of physics of some sort. I don't know exactly, but he comes out with a lot of really geeky videos. And he takes different uh, parts of sci-fi or comics and tries to apply real physics to it. For instance, if uh, Wonder Woman's sword can cut a single atom, then there's basically nothing that it couldn't cut through. And every time you swung it, it would be like an atomic explosion. That's kind of cool. He, this one, he covers the uh, Holdo maneuver, as we'll call it, from The Last Jedi, where General uh, Admiral Holdo, um, spoiler alert, basically goes all anime on the First Order's fleet. Um, and he, it's about an 11-minute video. He talks about uh, what would actually happen. He does make a slight um, misstep at one point. Any good Star Wars fan knows that going to hyperspace doesn't mean you jump to a different dimension. It means you actually just go faster than light in normal space. That's why you have to have an astromech droid or any other droid calculate your path or go into a hyperspace lane. Every nerf herder knows that. But it's actually even more devastating than they showed on the movie. Uh, and probably only because they couldn't kill the characters still on the supremacy did they not go with the full effect, because it would have been just epic. Well, yeah, it, it would have been pretty sweet. <laughs> it would have been pretty sweet. Um, my favorite is kind of a different one this week. I, I went to the dentist the other day for my annual or semi-annual checkup, and... As I was leaving the office, my boss said, hey, good thing about going to the dentist, free toothbrush. And I laughed and said, yeah, that's true. I actually need a toothbrush because mine is about due to be replaced. And I did get a free toothbrush at the dentist, but I also bought an Oral-B Pro 5000 Smart Series electric toothbrush with Bluetooth connectivity. And it's freaking amazing. Uh, I got it for uh, about $97. I think it's going right now for about 99 on Amazon, but normally it's up around 160 uh, So it's it's a really good toothbrush. It connects to my phone. I can see how long I've been brushing. It tells me when to brush in certain areas, uh, for how long to brush in certain areas. And it is, it is freaking awesome. My teeth feel so clean. I never thought that I would say this about a toothbrush, but this is, this is freaking cool. So <laughs> if, if you need a new toothbrush, if you've never used an electric toothbrush or if you've been thinking about them and 
you're you're looking for something to try, I highly recommend this one. It is really a lot of a lot of um almost fun to brush my teeth because it you know, like I said, it tells me how long to brush for, where to brush, and it gamifies the whole thing. Uh plus my teeth feel really, really good this last week that I've been using it. So um check it out. The links in the the links in the show note to the Amazon purchase purchase page all right well that is our show this week zoner thank you for carrying things while i was out of town hey no worries all right hey and uh, thank you for your efforts at ces oh thank you thank you a lot of walking gotten in there um and grammar slaughtered with that sentence hey if you have <laughs> feedback for us let us know feedback at stolen droids.com give us a call 801-917-geek follow us on instagram facebook twitter again patreon.com slash stolen droids you know you want it. you know you've been itching to pull the trigger on a new sponsorship purchase just get in uh and until next time cheers good day This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.